That's when it's time. Well, Grandpa always said if a minister looks at their watch, it means, well, you know what it means, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> there, there are moments that are very important, yeah. <clears throat> we could do that, yeah. It would just go right by. Are we already on? We are, okay. All right, well, we're live, so we're, we got to get going now. So uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Abundant Life Ministries, and uh, so glad you all decided to come out tonight on this cold February evening. But we know that getting into the Word is worth braving the cold. And uh, tonight we've got another great lesson in our second unit of the Answers series. Tonight uh, we're going to be looking at how God created the universe. And so if you were with us last week, you know that what we talked about was the history, the timeline of humanity on earth. We broke it down into seven seas, which we're going to look at here in just a minute. Um, but this unit that we're going through is all about the creation process. The six days where God actively was creating the universe, the earth, and everything um, contained within it. And so throughout this, uh, this second unit and, and what we're in lesson 12 right now, um, this will be our first lesson where we begin getting into, um, in a deeper way, each of the days of creation. And so today we're going to be looking specifically at the very first day, um, the moment in, well, really before time even, where God created the universe. And I just thought I'd start tonight by sharing kind of a, a memory and a little bit about me, because uh, I know I'm still kind of new here and you guys haven't heard all my stories yet. So I thought I'd share some more back. No, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, something about me. Back um, when I was a little bit younger than I am now, one of the things I really liked to do was play with Legos, and Grandma could probably attest to that because she bought me hundreds of dollars in Lego sets. <laughs> and uh, me and my brother, we always really enjoyed those, and, and what we liked so much about it was the creative ability that was contained there. You know, we'd get this box, and on it we'd see a picture, and it'd have ideas and instructions of all the things you could do, but once you had these Legos, I mean, you could really do anything you wanted with them. You could build anything you wanted with them. You, you could uh, basically you show up at a table with nothing on it, and in the course of a couple hours, you could have your whole little world, a whole new like ecosystem of these are the people and this is what they do. And you know, you just, you got a creative ability with Legos. And I was kind of thinking about how I used to enjoy doing that a lot and how really creating with Legos for me and my brother back at that time in our life was a moment where we created a storyline for us to, you know, play and have this this time of enjoyment playing with each other and, and playing with these Legos and toys. We were creating a storyline. Well, as we look at creation, I kind of think about how God out of nothing created this new storyline. Now obviously he did it with something a little better than Legos and and his storyline, his, his uh, creation didn't come in a cardboard box with instructions of what to do and what to put together. He just spoke it into creation, spoke it into existence, and out of that he created a whole world, a whole um, history and storyline that had not existed before. And it, it is kind of, I think, this lesson that as we go into it and look at creation, it's almost a hard thing to like really grasp and comprehend. And that little story about Legos is kind of my best shot at relating something I've experienced to what 
it would be like to, you know, be part of, well, this moment of creation. I mean, it's hard to understand what was before time. Because God, he, we're going to look at some qualities of God. We know that he is outside of time. He existed before time even existed. And that's, I mean, that's kind of one of those things you start thinking about it. And, and then you, you kind of go off and you're, you just think, wow, I, I don't under, I can't even comprehend it. It's just difficult to understand what that would even be like to have existed before there was time. God was before there was even time. And so tonight, as we get into this lesson about God creating the universe, a couple thoughts um, just from that story about the Legos is that we have a creator. We were created with intent. You know, I think uh, even about that Lego example and how we think uh, or we look at God in Scripture and uh, how he created. It's so clear that we were created with intent. You know, I think about how we used to build with Legos and we would do things with these toys and we we created with a purpose. And you could tell that by the end product. When you looked at the final product, hopefully it looked a lot like what was on the box because we were creating with intention. Well, the same way that, you know, I used to put Legos together with intention, wanting to create something, God showed up with a plan and a design and put the world and all of us together. He created us with intent. It wasn't random. It wasn't something that just happened by chance. I mean, it, it, like if I did what some people would say creation happened by, I'd be taking a box of Legos and throwing them on the table and just hoping that they all come into shape and end up looking like what was in the box. It doesn't work. I, I mean, that's, that's an impossible... We understand that that's not possible. But we know that there are people that would want to say something similar to that is really how we all got here. It was by chance, just a, a, a random chance of probability that, you know, the point zero 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 whatever percent chance we ended up here. And aren't we all glad we ended up Yeah, well, it's not by chance. It was by an intentional design of a good creator named God. And so this is what we're looking at tonight, how God created the heavens, the universe, the earth, and everything in it. Tonight, our lesson focus, just to kind of summarize what we're taking a look at, there's two main things I hope we all pull out of this lesson tonight as we go through. The first is that the account of creation reveals God as omnipotent, which means all-powerful, an omnipotent creator, an all-powerful creator. And then the second thing we really want to take a look at, and this is kind of the apologetic side of these lessons and what we're learning, that the theory of evolution is conflicting and contrary to the Word of God. Now, I know we've already talked about this a little bit. Uh, last week we talked about how um, really the Bible and, and um, the theory of evolution or some of these other scientific theories don't match up. We're going to go a little bit deeper into that tonight and look at some specific examples and discrepancies of how the word and, and these other theories just they don't fit together and that's something we're going to see as a theme throughout this so uh, tonight God creates the universe the account of God's creation reveals he's all-powerful um, let's say this memory verse together this will be our memory verse each week throughout this unit just emphasizing that fact that God is the creator and that his creation is good let's read this together when I look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him 
See, God created this world for us. And so tonight, kind of the question, along with just seeing how God is all-powerful, kind of a question we could ask to summarize would be, can evolution fit into the biblical account of creation? And I hope by the end tonight, we're all going to see that the answer is no. To review our history timeline of last week, we know that creation came, and then there was corruption, sin entered the world. There was a catastrophe, a great flood that wiped out that corruption. Uh, There was confusion at the Tower of Babel. Then there was a gap of time. Christ came onto the scene. He died on the cross. And now we know we are waiting on the day of consummation where we're brought together with him again. And this is a very quick summary of the history of mankind. I mean, who would have thought we could put the history of mankind into seven bullet points that all start with the letter C? Well, Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis did it. And so this is kind of just a summary format of how um, our history goes. Let's read together um, Genesis 1. 1 through 5. Um, if you want to turn there in your Bible, I, I've got just a couple things I want to say as we prepare to get into Genesis 1 and, and read this. Um, the background to kind of set up the stage for reading uh, Genesis 1 tonight, the first thing that I think is important we know is, is we are supposed to take this account of creation literally. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the arguments against uh, a weak or six days of active creation is that, you know, what is said here is a metaphor or it means something else. Well, as we're going to look here, I think we're going to see that God meant this to be taken literally. That'll be one of the things we see. We need to be willing to take the Bible literally in the early chapters of Genesis. And the reason it's so important that we value this, I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's so important that we value Genesis and we take it as the true word of God because within Genesis in these early chapters of the Bible, we are setting up the foundation for whether or not we believe the word of God is the final authority. Because if we can't take him at his word of how it all started well then how are we supposed to believe them about how it ends beyond that um, there are a number of of core doctrines of our belief that are are set up in genesis Um, some of those just to give you a few are the trinity father son and holy spirit we're going to see that all three were present here at creation Um, we see death and sin enter the world by the fall of man by the corruption that we read about last week Uh, we see marriage instituted a, a union of man and wife that god intended for man and woman to come together to produce and populate the earth, that that was his intention. We see that here in Genesis. Um, Clothing, I mean, just just to give you a practical one, I mean, we see clothes instituted in the, why why do clothes matter? Well, we see in Genesis that when Adam and Eve fell and they were aware of their naked state and they were conscious of their sin and and their exposure, well, they felt the need to cover themselves and clothe clothe themselves. And so uh, we see some of these things laid out in Genesis. And so if we can't take it as the truth and the true word of God and read it and, and believe what it says, well then... I mean, what are, what are we supposed to believe? Where do we draw the line? And so, you know, people today may say, and actually it's kind of the quote here at the bottom, um, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not I believe the beginning of the Bible because it doesn't really affect my life today. Well, it really does because whether or not you believe the beginning is going to affect whether or not you can believe the end. Amen. And it also sets the, the, it tees up some of these foundational doctrines uh, about sin and death, about um, the story of a need for a Savior coming in, Jesus Christ coming in later on in the Word. It sets up the Trinity and some of those other things mentioned. And so it matters. 
it matters whether or not we take the Bible and we take Genesis, specifically whether or not we take Genesis as the true, accurate Word of God. And so we need to be able to do that. And I'm just telling you, in this church, we do. Amen? Amen. We take it as the true, authoritative Word of God here. And so Genesis 1-1, I told you we would read it, and so I, I, I know there are going to be a number of slides here. It's a lengthy passage. We're just going to read today about the beginning and this creation account. So I'll read, and you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. God saw that it was good, and God said... Let the earth sprout vegetations, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and the trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And then, I'm going to stop there because we could go on and read this. It, it would go on for a little while here because we know that there are six days of creation and a seventh day of rest. And today, we're really just looking at the first day. The reason I continued reading on there is because one of the things which we're about to discuss and is important to see is that God spoke and it was so. Not just the first time, not just on the first day, but it was through a word speaking it into existence that God created um, the heavens and the earth. God created through speech. And so this reads, and, and we can tell just from the first you know, 12 verses we've read here, it reads as a narrative. And that's kind of the first point I want to make about taking the word literally tonight. It reads as a narrative. People want to say and, and want to excuse this as um, you know, a, a um, metaphor for something, or, the, or some of the theories we'll look at towards the end of tonight's lesson, that there was you know, maybe a gap, or maybe each day represented an age, an extended period of time, you know, m millions of years, millions of years maybe, each one of these days. Well, this to me doesn't sound like the poetic... Um, metaphorical language that we see in some other places in the word, you know. Um, there are a number of kind, uh, styles of writing that we read in the word. Um, some would be poems, songs, letters, uh, encouragements, visions, prophecies. But this one specifically, it reads like a narrative. I mean, it, it kind of reads like a history book, don't you think? If you recall reading a history book, it sounds a lot more like that than, than something that is kind of, you know, an inspired and uh, creative, uh, you know, artistic expression. It doesn't sound like that, does it? It doesn't sound poetic. It doesn't sound metaphorical. It sounds like 
the writer is recalling what happened at the beginning, that he is, is listing line by line what happened. You know, as I think about like reports, I've had to write out reports for events and write out reports of things that happened. And when I do that, I write, this happened, and, and this is what it looked like. This happened, and this is what it looked like. This is what happened after that, and this is what it looked like. It's very much uh, uh, an accounting and a narrative of what occurred. And that's what we see in Genesis. And so I think one of the very first things we can say uh, when somebody would like to maybe discuss that, you know, maybe the word doesn't mean exactly what it says and maybe it's just a metaphor for something else. Well, when I read Genesis 1, it doesn't sound metaphorical to me. It sounds very much like a literal narrative of what occurred in the six, first six days um, of the world and universe's existence. Amen. Would you agree with that? Yes. So let's go on and, and move on to some of the other things we pull out of Genesis 1. Uh, the next thing I see is that God was obviously present here at the beginning of time. And we're going to talk in a few moments about uh, both the phrase in the beginning and the phrase heavens and earth, because both of those are very important to accurately understand. But we see God present in the beginning. I told you how it really it's difficult to comprehend that God was present before the beginning that he existed before time began. I, I mean, that's, that's something that experientially I can't understand because I have never experienced that. You know, every time I ever think about what happened before I was on earth, what happened before I was alive, what happened before I came to Abundant Life Ministries as the pastor, there was already a background of what had occurred before, right? There was kind of a, a, a history beforehand. Well, in Genesis 1-1, there is no history beforehand. Before this moment, there was only God, only Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just the Trinity of God existed in that moment. And, and you know, it, it gets difficult to explain and talk about and express because we talk about everything in the scale of time. You know, we, we are within time. And God is not. That's one of the things that makes him God. He is outside the realm of time. And he was present before time existed. I, it, it just emphasizes the greatness of our God. Amen. And so we see God present. And what is important to note is the whole trinity of God was present. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were all present. We see here in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. And I'll back up to that on the screen here. If we look in... I'm going to have to click through all these again. If we look in verse 2 in Genesis, and I think it's actually on your sheet as well, but it says, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth. That's referring to God the Father. Then we see in verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so we have two checked off of our list, right? God the Father, God the Spirit. But we see in John 1.1, it says that in the beginning was the Word. And the word is Jesus Christ. We read that in Genesis, or I'm sorry, John 1.14, I think is the verse, that Jesus was the word while the word was present in the beginning. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all present before time ever existed. Amen. God was present at the beginning. And then the third point we see is that God did the creating. And this, I think, is really where the most contention with, with outside beliefs comes in is, well, was it really God that created everything? You know, maybe, maybe it was evolution, maybe it was a big bang, maybe it was random, uh, you know, that's the argument others would want to make. But if we take the Word of God as the truth, then we know that God did the creating. The Word says that He created it all in six days. 
And we believe that to be six literal 24-hour days. Um, and we're going to look closer at that next week about the term day that's used in the word. Yom is, is the Hebrew word for that. We're going to study that word out and see how um, the word is pretty clear. It, it was a literal day. He created the heavens and the earth. And we're going to look at that phrase tonight as well. He did it by speaking. We saw this as we read through these first 12 verses. Repeatedly it says, God said, God called, God made. He spoke out, let it be. And it was so. He did it through a word, emphasizing the power of God. You know, the word we would use for that is omnipotent. Omnipotent, it means all-powerful. He's able to do anything. You know, no, no other person, no other being can speak something and it just happens and, and it just materializes, right? God has that kind of power. Well, and the good news is we know that as New Testament believers who have been baptized with Christ and given the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith, we have power in our words as well. A, a likeness of God in that sense. It is his power that through a word can bring something into existence, it's God whose power can bring something into existence by a word. Well, when we speak out in faith, we are, we are accessing that same power of God, that same ability to speak something um, it, with words into existence. And so uh, we see this in Genesis 1, that God created. He created all that we see around us, heavens and earth, the universe through speech. Some other words referring to God's all-powerful omnipotentness, uh, the, the word or the name given would be El Shaddai, God Almighty. Genesis 49 verses um, 24 through 25, where I want to go and read next, and you should have this on your, on your scripture handout if you picked that up in the back, Genesis 49, 24 through 25 here. It says, but his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. It is God the Father, the Mighty One, the Almighty One, who has the help. Amen. He is Almighty God. And then Jeremiah 32, verse 27, another scripture that emphasizes this same point. <clears throat> Talking about God's power, His almightiness. Jeremiah 32, 27. And it says, Behold, I am Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? You know, that's a question that emphasizes just how much power he has. Is there anything too hard for me? Man, if you're going to ask that question, you've you got to be confident in your power and your ability. Well, God is. God does not have question of whether he is strong enough, whether he is mighty enough to complete something, to do something. He is the one who is powerful enough to speak creation into existence. I think sometimes that's the reason that, that people that don't believe the word have such a difficult time believing that God could have done this because they're unfamiliar with anyone that is that strong, that is that mighty, that has a power like our God has. Well, because we're familiar with him, we're able to have faith that this is how creation occurred. If you didn't know that God was as powerful as he is, you probably wouldn't believe it either. 
I mean, it sounds kind of preposterous to think that a being could have had this much power, but because we know that our God does, we can know that he did. Amen? Amen. Because we know our God is powerful, we can have faith that he created the way he said he created, that he spoke things into existence. And so to the point that Genesis, some would maybe say Genesis is symbolic or not meant to be taken literally, I would say it means what it says. I would say it reads like a, uh, an accurate kind of historical narrative. It, it doesn't sound metaphorical. It doesn't sound symbolic to me when I read it. And I know that my God has the power and might to actually do that. You know, I think one of the things, and, and I didn't bring this up before, but I think one of the other things that's so dangerous about discounting the accuracy of this creation account is it, it takes God's power down a step. Yes, it, does. it says, well, you know, I, I don't know if I can really believe that anyone or any being would have that much power that they could do that. Well, I know that my God does. Yeah. I don't question my God's power. I don't question my God's might. And so I don't want to let somebody else take away credit for something that he has done. I don't, I don't want to discount a miraculous thing that God did at the time of creation so that someone else, you know, maybe feels better about it. I'm not going to discount God's power to make somebody more comfortable with what the word says. He is all powerful, almighty, and completely able to have created the word or the world through a word. Let's go on to our next point now, uh, which is, is looking at the phrase in the beginning. I told you we're going to look at two terms today, uh, in the beginning and heaven and heavens and earth. We're really talking Genesis 1, 1 and 2, um, where, where he talks about right there in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. He created heavens and earth. And so here in this moment, we're looking at in the beginning and what... He created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, I wanted to give you the word that's used there. It's resit, and it means what is first. What is first? We've already talked about this a little bit, how there was no timeline before this moment. There was no history or no background before this moment. And I think that's why it's difficult for us to kind of put ourselves and, and imagine this Situation. Have you ever tried to imagine creation and just kind of found yourself dumbfounded by it? It's like, I just can't picture it, God, what it would have been like before. You know, I, I actually used to kind of have this feeling for a time where I would try to imagine eternity. You know, I would try to imagine what it's going to be like to live forever with, with God. And I had a very difficult time doing that because it's so different than what I experienced today. I, I remember laying in bed, and this isn't totally like in line with the lesson, but it, it is kind of a funny story. I remember laying in bed at some nights where I was having like a really difficult time getting to sleep. And I remember thinking, I'm going to be so frustrated in heaven one day when I never get to sleep again. <laughs> but then I come to a realization that I'm not going to need that in heaven. Then I get an understanding of when I'm outside of my flesh, when I'm outside of my body and I don't have this constraint anymore, I have a glorified body and a spirit that's alive unto God. I don't understand it right now because I haven't experienced life like that yet. Well, you know, because we're still held into a, a flesh and a physical body, it can be difficult to comprehend eternity and very difficult to comprehend this moment of beginnings. But because we're alive in spirit, God, God shows us the glory of eternal life with Christ. We begin to come to know what it means 
to have obtained life in eternity with Jesus. But I think even in this moment of beginnings, even with the spirit that's alive unto God, it's still difficult to understand because we all had a moment of inception or, or conception. We all had a moment of beginning. Now, we've been made eternal. We've been, we've been made so that we will live forever in Christ, like it says in John 3, 16. But we are not eternal in the sense that we're without beginning. We all have a beginning. Uh, we, we know that the word says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. He created us. He, he began us. And that's, that's one quality that we're never going to share that one with God. We're, we're without beginning like he is. And so it is difficult to understand this, but just because we don't understand it fully doesn't mean that it's accurate. It doesn't mean that it isn't true that God was existing and present there before time had even begun. And so it's not just the beginning of earth, but it's also the beginning of time. It's the beginning of the universe. It's the beginning of of life outside of God, life outside of God. Because before this moment of creation, God existed, but no other life existed in that time. And so this is the moment that heavens and earth begin. And we're going to talk about heavens and earth and how it really, just to get ahead of myself a little bit, it means everything. Heavens and earth means everything. And we're going to discuss that here in a few minutes. Um, So before this beginning, there was nothing. God is omnipresent. That's another one of the terms we use to describe him. Omnipresent, it means he's present in all places and in all times. And so we know he's, he's been there throughout the existence of humanity, through all seven of the seas. But he was existing before that even occurred. He is outside of the realm of time as as we comprehend it, as we know it and understand it. He was before the beginning. We're going to go to Jeremiah 23, 24. And this one is on the uh, slideshow. If I can get this to go down there. I don't think my... Yeah, if you could get that for me, Sean, that'd be great. I, I think this thing isn't working quite right. Jeremiah 23, 24 is where we're headed next. <clears throat> yes. It says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. See here again, God's asking these questions, but they're not really questions. You know, there are rhetorical questions. He's making a statement here. He's actually declaring out here, saying, there's really nowhere you can hide. There, there is no place that I am not present. And this is that um, omnipresent quality we just discussed. He is in all places. He is in all times. See, this, this quote in Jeremiah 23, 24, where God is saying, can a man hide himself in a secret place? Do I not fill heaven and earth? He's not just talking about physical locations. He's also talking about time. He's present in all times, in all locations. He, he is all-knowing because he is all-present. God is, he is um, um, omnipresent. Present in all times. And so in the beginning, God was present. Revelation 1, 11 is another scripture that reveals that. He talks about, I am the beginning, I am the end. And we've read that in a couple of our past weeks. He is omnipresent, present in all places and times. The next quality we see about in the beginning is that God is eternal. Creation is not. We've been discussing that already, how we have a beginning date. You know, we have a start date. Now, because we've obtained eternal life in Christ, like it talks about in John 3.16, we do not have a, a spiritual expiration date, praise the Lord. 
Amen. I mean, our bodies, these physical bodies will. And Uncle Aaron's over there. He knows, he just kind of gave me a smirk. He knows that our physical bodies have an expiration date, right? I mean, our physical body, what you see before you right now, what I'm looking at with all of you, that part of my being is going to die one day. But my spirit will be alive forever. And we know even, too, that in uh, Philippians 4.21, it talks about how one day we're going to get a glorified body, a body like Christ's. And that, that body will take over at the place of, of this physical one that I have now. When that glorified body comes, it will, it will be apart from the flesh that I have to deal with in the world. And it will be one that goes into eternity with me. This physical body may die, but my spirit will never die. I, as a being, am now eternal, that I have been created. And I think even part of the reason that we're created eternal is because we are created in the image of God. And, you know, we're going to see that as, as we get further along in creation. We're going to have one of these lessons where we talk about God creating us. Well, he created us in his image, and he's an eternal God. And so he probably wanted someone who, like him, he says, let us create them in our image. Well, he wanted, if we're going to be like him, we're going to be eternal. Because he is an eternal God. And so, once again, it's, it, it can be tough to comprehend it. It can be tough to imagine what it would be like to not have a beginning date and, and not have a history before you. You know, maybe we can understand that idea of what it would be like to have a, have a start date or, or not, you know, that there was history before us. We get that because it's like you hear stories about what the world was like before you were born or, you know, what your parents did before you were born or things like that. Or maybe you get pictures of your family before you were born. Well, God had nothing before him. You know, there, there's, there's no background preceding God like there is with us. And so it's, it's difficult to comprehend God in that way. But that's okay. That doesn't change our faith, does it? No. Just because it, it may be difficult to understand with our mind, that doesn't mean that it's any less true. That God is um, omnipresent. He's existed throughout all time. And as we said before, he's also omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is a good God, a powerful God. The third point we see within the beginning with that term, <clears throat> in the beginning was God. When he created, it was done by speaking things into existence over a period of six days. This is a, a point we will continue to reiterate because it's important that we grab hold of this, that it happened in six literal days. Um, and this first day, this first day what occurred was he created the heavens and the earth, and he created light uh, among the darkness. So darkness was what had existed up to this point. Well, he created heavens and earth, which we're going to see here in just a second. That's our next thing we'll get to is what heaven and earth mean. But he created heavens and earth, and then he created light. And by creating light, he created a distinction between light and darkness. What I get out of reading about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created light, is that there was not a big bang that began evolution. There was a, a moment in time where God created heavens and earth, and he spoke light into existence. It wasn't a slow process over millions of years. It was the first day God created. First day God created. It happened at the beginning, and that was the moment that time began. 
The word says he created the heavens and earth in a formless, void, dark state, then created light. And so even light, you know, it's not without beginning. Light itself was something created on the first day after heavens and earth had been created. And so how we might respond to this statement or this question of, you know, well, nobody really knows for sure how we got here. I would say that I do know how we got here. My Bible tells me how everything came into existence. And it tells me when it came into existence. It was in the beginning. It was at the start. And as we talked about last week and looking at our history of mankind, that happened about 6,000 years ago. So in the beginning, about 6,000 years ago, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created light additionally on that first day. Heavens and earth, let's talk about what that means, and then we're going to get to the kind of apologetic section where we talk about some more of these questions and some of the things we might encounter that are opposing views to this. Heavens and earth. We said this before that it means everything. Um, the, the term used for um, what, what heavens and earth means here is a mirism. And it's a combination of two contrasting words to refer to an entirety. So heaven and earth, some other examples that we could use of a mirism is high and low, ladies and gentlemen, top and bottom, bumper to bumper. It means everything. It means from the top of your head, you know, to the bottom of your feet. Well, that's, that's your whole person, right? It's every part of you is what we're talking about. Well, when God said he created heavens and earth, he means from the highest heaven to the lowest point in earth, he created it all and everything in between. So this isn't just saying that, you know, on this first day, God created the heavens or he created, you know, multiple heavens or anything funky like that. And then in earth, secondary, he created everything that would exist. That's what this term means, heavens and earth. It means everything that was created was created in this moment in the beginning. If we go to Jeremiah 23, 24, which we we did already read, and I have it on the front right here. Can a man hide himself in a secret place that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? He created everything, and so he is in everything. He, he is not outside. There is no secret place because there is no place he did not create. There's not a place that he doesn't know because he is the creator of every place and everything. He created it all. He is the great, all-powerful, almighty creator. And he is omnipresent in all places. Isaiah 44, um, verse 24 where we'll go now, discusses how he is also the maker of all things. Beyond just being present in every place, we're looking at more scriptures here that show how he really is maker of all things as well. Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretched stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. He states it very clearly here. He says, I am the maker of all things. I am the Lord who makes all things. I can't add anything to that. God makes all things. He is the creator of all things. And anybody who disagrees with that is saying that the Bible isn't true. And I disagree with that. 
The Bible is true. It is the authority, and God is the one who created it all. It wasn't evolution. It wasn't a, a slow process over many years. There wasn't a gap. He created everything in a period of six days. Amen. He created the heavens and the earth, the universe, on the first day. The next thing we see, which is another indicator of God being the great creator, the one who created all, is Jeremiah 33, 25. And I think this one is on the presentation. Yep, there, maybe this thing's working again. 33, 25 through 26 says, Thus says the Lord, If I have not established my covenant with day and night and fixed order of heaven and earth, then I will reject the offspring of Jacob and David, my servant, and will not choose one of his offspring to rule over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will restore them their fortunes and will have mercy on them. If I have not established my covenant with day and night and fixed the order of heaven and earth. What that means is that God has set covenants, agreements. He has set order, a process of how things go. He has established laws present throughout all of creation. Have you ever noticed that? That there are just laws that are true all throughout creation. We could talk about sowing and reaping. I mean, we, we could talk about gravity. Everywhere you go, gravity is present because God created the whole earth and the whole earth has gravity. And, and you know, in science, we, we try to find ways to explain these laws. Guys like Isaac Newton tried to explain these laws. Well, they can't tell you where they came from. They just know that they exist yes. and that they're consistent because God is a consistent creator And when he created the whole universe, he created the whole universe with consistent order and consistent covenant. He says, I I established my covenant, my agreement with day and night, and I fixed the order of heaven and earth. That means that I set up laws. I set up a, a way that things would work. And they all work the same. The whole universe, it it works the same because it has the same creator. It wasn't random. It didn't evolve. Some places didn't evolve another way than others. They are all the same. They are all consistent because they have the same creator. You ever notice that uh, you, you can usually tell who did work by the work? You can usually see who did something by the result of the work. If you have kids and they like draw pictures or something in Sunday school and bring home their pictures, you probably know which kid drew which picture. Is, is that true for anybody in here? Or, or maybe like you know somebody at work who the way they would maybe type something or write something is different than the way someone else would write it or sign it. My handwriting is not good. I can, I can be honest with you about that. My handwriting is not the best. And you can say that's because I'm young and I type and do all that stuff. But it's just not great, okay? I, I'm aware that my handwriting is not the prettiest to look at. But I know people who have beautiful handwriting. I can tell a difference between when I do something and when someone else does something by the end product. Well, we, we can see God's product all throughout creation. We can see the consistency of a single creator all throughout creation. That there isn't this great variation from one part of the world to another in the way the order and the covenant and the laws of the way the world works. And that's because God is the creator of it all. And so because he is the single creator of it all, it all works on a consistent basis. God's laws are present throughout creation consistently. 
And then the third um, thing we see with heavens and earth, and what I want to emphasize is that it was all created for a purpose. Yeah. It was all created for a purpose. The universe was created for a purpose. Psalm 69, 34 says, Let heaven and earth praise Him, the seas and everything that moves in them. I wrote down some more scriptures which you should have on your sheet. And I didn't pick one of those up, so I'm going to be turning to them. Or I guess I'll read off of this one. Thank you. Isaiah 44, no, 43, 21. says, This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. And John 4, verse 23 says, But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. I think that as we read these scriptures, we're given an indication of what heavens and earth were created for. You know, God didn't create things because He was bored one day up in, well, before heavens and earth. Okay, He didn't get bored. He created with an intent. He created with a purpose. Let heaven and earth praise Him. The seas and everything that moves in them. And then we read on. I, I formed for myself. These people I formed that they shall declare my praise. And even in the New Testament, we see the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I believe that creation was made to praise God. Creation was made to worship God because He's great and He's deserving of praise. And He created something that can worship Him. I mean, we read in the Word that if we don't do it, then the rocks will cry out. Amen. Very creation will cry out and sing His praise if we will not because we were created. The universe was created for the purpose of glorifying God, of praising God, of bringing worship to Him because He's worthy of it. Amen. We're created. For His glory. We're created for His worship. I believe we even see that thinking about Adam and Eve in the garden. How He would come down and walk with them. He would spend time in close proximity with them. I believe there was a time, and we talked last week about how it was probably pretty brief. We, we said maybe about a week where creation and, and corruption had not yet happened. And there was this nice time in, in the Garden of Eden when God would come down and walk with him. And it says the cool of the day, right? They were fellowshipping. They, I would say Adam was worshiping God. He was alive in spirit and truth. He, he didn't know the, the corruption and the falsity that the serpent and, and that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil had brought into him. He just knew the truth that God is good. God is the creator. And his spirit was alive to God because he had not been corrupted by sin yet and made dead by sin. He was a worshiper in spirit and truth before corruption came. And just like that, you and I are meant to be worshipers in spirit and truth. We said last week that what's so miraculous about the cross is Jesus came back and he restored us Back to that place of creation being good in the eyes of God. Well, the, the good position of creation in the eyes of God is creation that praises Him and worships Him and is alive in spirit to Him. And so as we are redeemed and we're made alive to God once again, we're back with our original purpose of worshiping God, of praising God. And beyond just us, the, the very creation of heavens and earth, everything that was created was made to worship and glorify God. Yeah. It's the original plan. 
And it's kind of nice to know that because it, it helps me to understand that when I'm worshiping God, I'm fulfilling my purpose. When I'm praising God, I am doing what I was created to do. It kind of changes the way you look at praise and worship. Doing what we were created to do. The next thing I, I see in this, and I believe you'll see it too, is that heavens and earth, everything, is all created by God. Nehemiah 9.6, and, and I know we've, we've said that already, but it's, it's an important thing to emphasize. And I'm giving you the scriptures to back it up. Amen. Yeah. Nehemiah 9.6, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in, in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. Kind of sums up everything we just read about. He created it all, and it was all meant to worship him. God is the creator of all. So we may get a question or a response like this. Someone saying evolution or some other, other theory. It's slowly or in a different way brought different kinds of life to earth over time. It's not what the word says. It says that God is the creator of all. God is the creator of heavens and earth and the seas and all that is in it. God created it all. Amen. Let's finish up tonight by looking at apologetics for just a few minutes and going deeper on this idea of, of some of these theories and, and science, well, quote-unquote sciences, where people would want to um, dispute what the Word says. We already said this tonight, that the Bible answers big questions. It is the authority on a number of topics, and we find a lot of answers um, in the book of Genesis to big questions that people ask. Some of these questions uh, maybe you've asked or heard asked before would be, where did everything come from? Is there a God? When did time begin? When was the start of all of this? Have you ever heard a question like that or maybe that specifically? I think these are, are questions that people just ask because, I mean, if you didn't grow up in a church that taught this kind of thing, then you probably came to a point in life where you started wondering this for yourself. You know, how did I get here? How did this all start? And so some people, in trying to answer these big questions, um, some people would dispute the word saying that the Bible and creation must be proven before it can be believed. Well, just a little note on that, that... that I thought as, as I read it is that's not faith. And so if you're a Christian and you're saying, well, I have to have it all proved to me before I'm going to believe it, well, then you're not in faith in the Word of God. Faith believes what is unseen. Look, you and I are not going to see creation until we get to heaven and God reveals to us what happened at creation. And we see that the Word was accurate. Because that's what we're going to see. We... we are not privy to that moment in time. We weren't there. So in this life on earth, in the flesh before you know, we go on to eternity, we have to, we're putting our faith into someone's narrative of creation. And it's either God's or it's some guy in a lab. Or you know, something you dreamed up on your own. I don't know. But you're putting your faith in what somebody else is either guessing or has written about creation. I don't know about you, but for me, God's word is more, more accurate 
and more true than anything I'm going to read in Science Weekly. Because Science Weekly changes every week. Yeah, that was kind of a good little joke, wasn't it? It does. Science is always changing. Science is always evolving. I, I mean, like every year, they, every week, they come out with, it seems like a new discovery and say, oh yeah, we, you know, they were wrong. They say they, really, it's we were wrong last week or last year or last time we said this. But we don't want to talk about how we were wrong. Let's just talk about this new thing that we found. Let's just talk about this new theory that we have. Look, it's all putting your confidence in something that's unseen and unknown. It's all theory, talking about the past. No, unless, unless someone has disputed the, the law of God and made themselves uh, a person that can travel through time, an omnipresent being by a time machine, which has not happened. At least I don't know about it, okay? I would think we would if that was a thing, but it's not because we don't have that kind of power. Unless somebody has done that and gone back and seen it, it's all theory. It's all theory. And so here are a few theories that would basically ask us as Christians to believe these theories would ask that we compromise what the Word of God says so that we can kind of fit what someone else is comfortable with um, to be truth. You know, it, it really... We talk about maybe watering down the gospel. This is one of the, day, the ways that the gospel gets watered down is by compromising what the word says so that, you know, we're not conflicting with what scientists and professionals would say is the truth. Really, it's not truth. It's theory. Um, all sciences and discovery and theory, I wanted to make this note, is pretty recent. You know, it wasn't until just a few hundred years ago that people even thought that the earth is old. People just took the Genesis account of creation as the truth until just a few hundred years ago when, you know, we'd probably, some people would want to say we got smart. I don't really know that we got a whole lot smarter in that sense, but, um, you know, scientists think that they have come up with some pretty interesting theories now. Uh, let me give you a few of those. The first one, um, and it, these are ways of explaining evolution with the word. It's watering down the word. It's compromising the word to make the theory of evolution fit. Um, the first one is called the day-age theory. And this is basically that each day was an age of varying length rather than a 24-hour day. We'll talk more about this next week as we look at the word yom and how these days were days as we know them. Uh, the next theory I wanted to talk about a little bit is the gap theory. And this basically says that a large gap of time existed between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. Where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But, you know, then there's a huge gap, is what they would want to say. And then, you know, at a later date, he decided to come back to earth that he had created and start working on it again and doing something different with it. I, I mean... Number one, the word doesn't say that. And I mean, you know, this is just kind of my, my human in me relating to it. I don't usually come back to projects that I've put off for a long time. <laughs> I don't know if any of you in here would attest to that. But like, if I walk away from something and leave it for a million years, I'm probably not coming back to finish it up. <laughs> you know, it's... It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go back. Anyways, that's not biblical. That's not word. That's just me. But 
this gap theory is, it's a theory, and I think God would have said something about it. If there was a huge gap of time, he would have mentioned it. But it's not in the word, it just says that in the beginning, God existed, he created the heavens and the earth, and then he continued creating. The next theory is the, uh, well, it's actually a hypothesis, so I, don't, I think that's a step below theory. It's the framework hypothesis, and, and this, see, like, this is really compromising the word. It says that Genesis 1 is non-literal and non-chronological. It's based on secular uh, dating methods, so it basically just says that, you know, this is, it's a metaphor for what really happened. It's, it's a way of really just loosely and kind of barely explaining what might have happened, but it, it says that Genesis is not true. Basically, it says that Genesis 1 is not the truth. Yeah, not a good theory. The next one is uh, theis theistic evolution. This says that God used evolution to create over billions of years. That kind of fits into day, age, and gap. And then there's the progressive uh, creation Theory, which is that God has created organisms over billions of years to appease secular dating methods. So the, what I want to kind of wrap up with here is just talking for a couple minutes about, um, well, evolution and these dating methods. And also just how the order of creation, which we're going to be studying in this unit, does not line up with what science says evolution, um, the evolutionary process would have been. So all of these theories say that what the Word says is not accurate. That the word of, what the Word of God says, we, we have to change it, we have to adjust it, we have to explain it away in some way to fit our methods of, of dating things, our methods of figuring out um, what, you know, what our timeline would have been. These compromises are an attempt to discredit God's Word as truth and God's power as Creator. That's the spiritual reality that's going on behind the, you know, the conversation. It's the, it's the enemy wanting people to think that God's word is not accurate, it can't be trusted, or that God doesn't actually have the power to do what he said he did. And I want to be prepared to defend against both of those. I, and, and I want to be able to address when somebody you know, wants to kind of blend these two things together into sort of a, a lukewarm truth of it's a little bit of word and a little bit of science and we're just going to adjust both of them together so that everyone's happy. Well, that's, that's not the truth. That's theory of men wanting to tickle the ears of men like it talks about in the last days, how people want to listen to things that make them feel good and make them think that, that they've got it figured out, rather than enduring sound doctrine, the true word of God. I want the truth. Yes. Yeah. I want the truth. Not, not a blended theory of men and a little bit of word. I want the truth. I want the word of God taken as the word of God. And so as we look at the timeline of, of evolution, we, we know that it and the Word do not fit together because as we talked about last week, Genesis is a history book of mankind that shows us that creation happened about 6,000 years ago. 6,000 years ago is when Adam was created, when the universe was created. Evolutionary theory says that the universe is billions of years old. 6,000 years, 14 billion years, that's not like close. 
That, that's not within the margin of error, okay? That is two completely contrasting views of how the world was created. And so we can't blend evolution and the Word of God. They don't fit together. And in fact, there are other ways that they do not fit together as well. If we look at the order of creation and what science says is the order of evolution and what the Word of God says was the order of creation, they don't fit together. Let me give you the order of evolution according to science. Science says that first came the sun and then the earth and then the moon and then the atmosphere and then cells, plants, fish, insects, reptiles, um, dinosaurs, birds, mammals, and then mankind. The Bible says that first was the earth, that was created first, heavens and earth were created, and then light was created, and then oxygen and atmosphere, and then land and plants, and then sun and stars and moon, and then oceanic life and birds, and then cattle, and, and the creepers of the earth, and the beasts, and mankind finally. Those two do not fit together because with science it says that the sun existed long before the earth. Well, if we read Genesis 1, the earth existed before the light. The earth existed before the sun. And so here we see one discrepancy where it doesn't fit, but we also see that reptiles, science says reptiles came before, um, before birds, uh, before mammals or any of those other things, and they came after fish. Well, in the Bible, it says that uh, there was atmosphere, land, and then the sun, stars, and moon, and then oceanic life and birds, and then cattle and the creeping things, which means that reptiles and things that are down on their belly and they creep, they were second to last creation, which does not fit with evolution. So we see here another discrepancy where evolution and, and the creation account of Genesis don't fit together. They don't blend. They don't work because they're not based out of the word of they're not both based out of the word of God. Creation as we believe it is based on the word and the word alone. Evolution is based on a theory of man that is unproven and and, and is an attempt by the enemy to discount the word of God. Um one last thing, and, and this is definitely in the apologetic line as well, to the point of scientific theory is still just a theory. Carbon dating is how we get our dates now. Carbon dating is, and I'm not a scientist that fully, I don't fully understand it. I couldn't carbon date something if I wanted to right now, okay? But essentially, even the scientific community isn't all on board with carbon dating, it's still a theory. It's, it's still their best guess at figuring out a timeline. And just to kind of continue on some of, some of the other things in this study, all the dating methods that we have for today assume that every condition of the world and the atmosphere has been the exact same since the beginning of time. That when a global flood happened, it didn't change the atmosphere, it didn't change uh, rocks, it didn't change levels of soil, like that none of that would have changed. That it didn't change the ozone. See, this is the inconsistency of science and theory. People say today that our climate is changing, right? Have you all heard that, that the climate is changing and ozone is going away? Well, 
if, if we can't even say that our climate has been consistent for the last hundred years, then how are we going to say that we know how to measure the last 13 billion years? It's foolish. It's a theory that cannot be proven, but we have the word of God in which we can put our hope, we can put our faith, we can have confidence knowing that it is the truth. Amen. Amen. Next week we're going to continue on looking at the 24-hour day. The 24-hour day in which God used to create. Six of these 24-hour days in which he would create everything in heavens and earth. Um, we're also going to look at plants producing by their kind. I've listed some application questions for you on the bottom, and I, and I just encourage you, if you're going home and you've got kids or a spouse or anybody, talk about those questions. They'll, they'll solidify this. It'll, it'll give you an opportunity to verbalize what we've discussed tonight, verbalize what you believe, and that's, that's just going to strengthen your position and strengthen it within you so that the next time you have an opportunity to have a conversation about this, you're going to know what to say. Isn't that good? Yes. All right, well, let's just thank the Lord for this word tonight, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for your word, which is true. It is authoritative, and it reveals to us the answers to these questions we have about the beginning of the earth. We trust it. We know that it is accurate. And so, God, we thank you that you've given your word to us as a resource to look to as we seek truth on this matter of creation. God, I pray that you remind us, Holy Spirit, of these things we've learned tonight, of, of um, the beginning of the universe, of you as one who is before the beginning of the time, the great creator who created everything contained within heavens and earth, Lord. I thank you that we would be able to discern when somebody is talking about creation what lines up with your word and what is just theory and what is, is, is not of the word of God. Lord, we want to take your word alone as we set our beliefs on how everything came into existence. We want to take your word as the final authority on all things. So we pray that tonight in the name of Jesus and everybody who believes said amen. Amen. We'll go and be blessed, drive safely, and we'll see you on Sunday.